0: i get give it up for Hannah. She's going to read the uh, scriptures in English and then Spanish. The favorite my favorite language is Spanish, yes. Yeah. Ephesians 5, verses 31 to 32. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Por esto, dejará el hombre a su padre y a su madre, y se unirá a su mujer, y los dos serán una sola carne. Grande es este misterio, más yo digo esto respeto de Cristo y de la iglesia. Come on, y'all know the song, don't you Come on, rock with me. There you go taking y'all back right here Darren you know anything love and about marriage, it hey love and marriage, hey hey go yeah they're like a horse and this come on y'all sing I it like y'all believe you, it. Brother, you can't have one without the don't dance with it if you got to dance with it if you got to marriage, there you go we got a little rock-a-rock right here an Institute you can't disparage all right, somebody get God praise for that song right there. <laughs> love and marriage, they go together like a horse in carriage. I love that song, and when I was writing this message, uh, it came to, to mind, love and marriage go together like a horse in carriage, try to separate them is an illusion. I want to play on that song a little bit and say this to you. The same is true with the gospel in marriage. They go together like a horse in carriage. And trying to separate them is an illusion. Today, I want to make the connect between the gospel that we believe, the gospel that saves our lives. And I believe that that same gospel, when applied to your marriage, could save your marriage as well. But Before I dive in, I do want to say this up front. Um, those of you who may be in maybe in abusive relationship. Some of you who may be in an, in an adulterous relationship, I want to encourage you, even before I get started, to get the help that you need. We believe that if God can raise the dead, he can raise dead marriages. But we also understand that some marriages need a little extra help. Um, and so we don't want, as Al Harper said, for you to be going through that in secret. Um, And so the problem with with preaching sometimes is that you only got so much time, and I already take a little extra already. Um, And so I can't touch bases on everything, but I do want you to know if you're in those kind of situations that we want you to get the help that you need. And as a church, we're here to serve in that way. As you likely know, if you've been here lately, we've been teaching through the Book of Romans for about a year. And we have carefully considered Paul's in-depth explanation of how God saves sinners. Besides union with Christ, two key concepts have been prominent in our teaching. The words justification and sanctification. Let's say that together. Justification and sanctification. I'll expound on that a little bit more as a reminder to those who have been here. And for those of you who have not been in church for a while, I know those are two big hairy theological words, but we'll get to them. Today, I'm putting before you, these are essential to a successful Christian marriage. As I said earlier, you may say, well, I thought that the gospel was how God saves me. But I also want to argue this morning that the gospel is how God saves marriages as well. It is easy to love theology, which is the study of God. It is one thing to study God, but it's another thing To obey God. Y'all not going to talk to me this morning. That's all right. I'm going to pull up right at your house. It's one thing to study God. It's another thing to obey God. I find it easier to study a text of scripture than to apply it to my own life. It is easier to be at your desk late at night. Just you and God, you slain in the spirit. You in your text, and it says, Love your enemies as you love yourself. And you shout with a loud voice of triumph, Amen. But it's another thing when 8 a.m. rolls around and you got to punch in to work with your enemy. It's easy to understand how God can forgive you of your sins, but how to apply that grace to those who sin against you is much harder. As a pastor, it is easier to teach people theology than to apply it to my own life. Nothing has exposed the church's difficulties to live out what they claim to believe, like marriage. At the core of what every Christian should believe is the gospel. Can't be a Christian, you don't believe the gospel. But how does it relate to this union between one man and one woman? So many people feel like they are drowning in their marriage instead of swimming. Feel like we're drowning instead of swimming. I was, I was on the Internet um, last week, a couple weeks ago, and I'm just perusing, doing my thing or whatever. Sometimes I go back and forth between studying and getting a little social media break and, you know, Twitter and, and IG and all those things out there. Praise God for those things. And so I ran across... This uh, quote or announcement by Cardi B. Oh, y'all don't know who Cardi B is? Because y'all in church, y'all don't know Cardi B, Cardi B. These are red bottoms. The, that Cardi B came through drip. Okay, y'all want to act like y'all know who Cardi B is. Some of y'all know her songs more than you know scripture. Come on, somebody in here. Let's act like we know who Cardi B is. And she announces on, uh, on her Twitter, she says that me and Offset just kind of fell, just kind of fell out of love. We just, we just fell out. A marriage that didn't last a year, and they are already on the brink of divorce. But here's the astonishing thing: my 13-year-old daughter comes to me broken in her own soul over this, crying, "Daddy, I can't. be all sad and broken. Just you know that that ugly crap, the snot coming down and." And your tears dry, got white stuff all over your face. It was one of them nasty cries. I'm like, girl, why are you crying? Ain't nobody break up with you. She like, no, baby, you don't understand. But she taught me something. She taught me something. That our world is looking for a relationship that will last. And a lot of young people put their hope in offsetting Cardi B because they wanted to see something last. They wanted to see true love last. Friends, the church has got to display to the world what marriage really looks like. I want to tag this sermon this morning. One plus one equals one. Sometimes marriage seems to be the hardest math, math equation to solve. But one plus one, my friends, does equal one. In Ephesians 5.31, Paul says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Let me say that again. I think some brothers need to hear this. I said, therefore, a man. She'll leave his father, I should get a little hoot with it, and mother and hold fast to his wife. The brother said, Amen. Y'all ain't say that strong. Man. Amen. <laughs> and the two shall become one flesh. Paul here refers to the relationship that existed in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve. If you recall. She was fashioned from his rib, and God brings Eve to Adam. Oh, 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 what a thing. Brings the one fashioned for him. My, my, my. And God does what? He performs the first marriage ever, the ceremony of one plus one equals one. And literally, the word says a man is to leave and to cleave to his wife. So all these songs out here, the husbands are making about their mama is their number one woman, needs to stop. Nobody going to replace mama. All right. The word leave here speaks of the shift of the husband's loyalty and devotion from his parents to his spouse. As he leaves, leaves God literally glues him to his wife so that he cleaves or adheres to her. Or, or, or God unites them to be united with, to, to join oneself closely to, to, to stick to, closely, be faithfully devoted to. Take a picture of a husband and another of his wife and glue them together. Allow time for the glue to set and the pictures to uh, stick together. What happens when you try to take those two individual pictures apart? Yeah. Yeah. That's why divorce is so difficult and so messy and so hard. A husband and wife are not just roommates. It is literally the coming together of two souls. And our society needs to hear this because we treat marriage like it's just a contract. And that's not what's going on. It is far deeper and far greater than you can ever imagine. Two souls being brought together by God. Paul goes out of his way to use the Greek word here, paskalalo, a.k.a. join, which is what the KJV says. And this was a medical term used to describe the uniting of wounds. Paul uses this terminology to convey this is the most intimate union on earth. Now, it's a little bit harder for us to see that in English because back in the day when they used a word, it meant something. They're not like us. We say we love our wife and then turn around and say we love tacos. But they would distinguish between words so that you understood exactly what they were. They were more poignant in what they were saying. Paul goes out of his way to help us understand that this relationship between a husband and wife is a very deep, intimate relationship. They are not just romantic verses to be quoted at weddings but we are swimming in deep waters of great realities. I want you to feel the gravity of marriage this morning. But what is the greater reality? Marriage reenacts the Jesus slash church relationship. Family, what is the main purpose of marriage? Ask an engaged couple, why are you getting married? Many answer, he cute. He amazing. We'll see in a year. She completes me, sex, companionship, and one of the classic, well, at this point, why not get married? We've been together forever. Might as well. And the women be like, man, come on, man. Children, we get married because of children. Hey, man, I got a kid by a dog. I figured I might as well go and snatch you up, man, you know. I want to be a good father, you know. That's how guys be. They say it like that, a good father. That's when guys get deep. You know, they start crossing into manhood, and they done playing out. They're telling me will be a good father. <laughs> Why you got to get all deep with it, man? Why you just can't say a father, bro? And God been dealing with me, dog. Anyway, <laughs> Ephesians 5.32 says this. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. After explaining that a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and a wife is to submit to her husband as the church submits to Christ, Paul surprises us by saying everything he just said about marriage is about Christ in the church. Don't miss that. Everything that he said about marriage is is really about Christ in the church. What this means is the blueprint for marriage is Jesus' relationship to his people, the church not the opposite. Don't think the gospel is like marriage. The gospel illustrates marriage. You if you think that way you got it backwards. One thing is the reality, the other is the reflection. Marriage is a reflection of the gospel, and the gospel is the reality. But what better way to illustrate the gospel than a relationship where the two become one? We are one with Christ, who made himself one with his people. Husbands and wives are not two people just making ends meet. God has called this covenant to exist for a higher purpose, namely the gospel. Marriage is a call to die to yourself. People think it comes to marriage because it's going to make me happy. No, marriage is a call to die to yourself. And if you don't die Somebody going to kill somebody. (laughs) However, many of us do not understand that marriage is supposed to reflect the gospel because we don't read the word of God. We look at pictures that we see on Facebook and IG and Snapchat, and then we make our definition of marriage based on the picture that we see. It reminds me of me when I'm putting stuff together. You know, when you get that box, that new that new thing you got to put together. Some of us read instructions. Some of us look at the picture and try to put it together. That's me. I don't I ain't got time to, to be reading. I see the picture. I know what it looks like. I can put it together. And then at the end, what you got? About 100 screws left over. Talking about some, these the extra screws they sent. They ain't sent no extra screws. You messed up, brother. That's what happens. And that thing ain't going to be standing there long enough. And many of us do that with our marriage. We don't read the instructions. We look at the picture and we buy into the picture. But if we read the instructions, we will build it right. But we're missing parts in our marriage because we are not looking into God's holy, divine word. Our Marriages are a mess. Friends, don't build your marriage ultimately for your happiness or your identity. Marriage is Temporary. Marriage is not even meant to last forever. Your boo is really God's at the end. Let me put it like Jesus put it. I figured y'all was going to need some help because some of y'all know y'all really love right now. Y'all can't imagine not being with y'all spouse. Jesus says as much. There's no married couples in heaven. Some of y'all saying praise God. (laughs) Can't wait. Ah, That sounds like heaven to me. Ooh, yeah. that's happening right there we gotta be real up in here human marriage is a temporary picture of the enduring reality which, which is Jesus' eternal relationship to his church and the church to Jesus our Savior marriage is for now not forever it is for now it is not forever I want to pause right here and Give a little side note to our singles in the room. Single is not a curse. Being single is a gift from God. And I pause here parenthetically because oftentimes in the church, we look down on people if they are single as if something is wrong with them because they haven't found somebody. But let me remind you. That Jesus was single all 33 years, and so was Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. Being single is not a curse. And I encourage married folks to go out and have a conversation with some of our single people and learn some of the hurts and pains that we have said and try to do better in encouraging them. Marriage is designed by God in such a way that when it is done right, it is, the, it is very similar to the saving relationship between Jesus and the church. How do I know if my marriage is healthy? It's not by the standards of the world. You need to measure it by does my marriage reflect more and more this relationship between Jesus and his church? Gospel and marriage go together like a horse in carriage. How does the gospel and marriage relate? Well, we must first consider that big theological word, justification. What is justification? Well, Paul lays it out in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 25. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there, there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by what? By his grace as a gift. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Justification is God's eternal judgment over a sinner, declaring them completely and wholly righteous with the promise to treat us good forever. Within this are basic constructs in Romans 3. There is none righteous not one no one in this room is righteous on their own merit I don 't care how cute you are I care how long you've been in the gym and I don't care how many scriptures you can quote you are not righteous on your own merit. when God found you, you were in the dumpster with the rest of us, going your own direction and doing your own thing and God in his great love and mercy. Chose to love you when you didn't want him, when you were running from him, when you were spitting in God's face doing your thing. Maybe every now and again you will give a nod to the man upstairs and say, I know he's watching out for me, but you had no commitment to him. You were out doing your own thing. And while you were doing that, he was dying on the cross for your sins. And what was he doing? Dying on the cross for your sin. He was removing your guilt and your shame so that if you die today, you wouldn't go to hell, you'll be in the presence of the Almighty God. Hold on, you didn't get excited. I said Almighty God, the eternal, everlasting King of King, Lord of Lords. There's no sin in Him, no unrighteousness in Him, and yet you're going to walk into His presence? Hold on. You didn't get excited enough. Let me help you out. You go over to the Old Testament. Let me give it to you like this. The priest would have to put on a long robe. He'll have some bells at the bottom. If he goes into the holies of holies and didn't do everything that God told him to do, he'll drop dead in a moment. God is holy beyond your imagination, and yet he's going to allow you into his presence justified? Now, there's a lot of ways I describe myself, but righteous ain't one of them. Me, righteous? Yes, you righteous, not because of your toiling or your working or your coming to church or changing your dress code or changing your language. No, it is because God decided to die on the altar for your sins, laid it down, clothed you in righteousness. I love the way the lyrical poet, Christian rapper put it, Eshan Burgundy, He says it like this, if only I can make mention of the author of mankind, owner of my existence, the only one who came and got me out of prison, broke us up when me and death was out there kissing. Y'all ain't listening, though. Dope right there. Let me say that again because y'all ain't catch that. Hold on. Maybe I need to put a little more swag into it. Here we go. Here we go. Notice this last line right here. The only one who came and got me out of prison, broke us up when me and death was out there kissing. Y'all ain't listening, though. A love affair with death. I was killing my own self. And who shows up with bond blood so that I can be acquitted and all my charges can be dropped? Jesus shows up. Your mama couldn't show up. Your daddy couldn't show up. Jesus shows up at the jail, the sin jail, and and gets you out by his own blood. Here's a picture of it in action. Y'all remember our boy Peter? Peter? Peter was real close to Jesus. He was one of the, he was in the in crowd. Jesus had a top three disciples and Peter was in the in crowd. Earlier on in the book of of, uh, Matthew, Peter told Jesus, if everybody else fall away, I'm your boy. I got your back. Everybody else may leave you. You ever had some people tell you? That everybody else may leave you, but they'll be there. And when the storm comes and the trouble comes, they're nowhere to be found, and you find yourself all alone. Peter was supposed to be Jesus' homeboy, and in his hour of need, he denied him. He said, "I don't know the man." He got so bad, he started cussing folks out, saying, "I told you he wasn't trying to get—he wasn't trying to get them changed." He was talking all that stuff until he said he what they was doing to Jesus. He's like, I don't want no parts of that. Leave me alone. But when Jesus got off of the cross, rose again from the dead, did he say to Peter, nah, homie, don't try to come around me now. Remember uh, a couple days ago, you was dissing me. You, act like you ain't know me, man. Get away from me, cuz. I don't know you neither. He didn't do that. He cooked some breakfast. And restores his soul. And he loves them in spite of what he's done. Amen. Friends, that's the reality. Not the reflection. That is what our marriages are supposed to reflect. That kind of agape love. A marriage will succeed to the extent that both spouses intentionally seek to reflect that reality. But it's easier said than done. It's easier to amen it in church. Wait till y'all get to that parking lot. That's when you're going to really need Jesus. (laughs) You know why it's hard? It's hard because of who you married. Because we all married, we are all married to sinners. And when you're married to a sinner, a sinner is constantly failing you. And the sinner is in continual need of forgiveness every single day. I don't care how cute you think they are. All of us are gargoyles down in the inside. <laughs> how many of y'all know I'm not as nice as everybody think that I am? Don't let the smile fool you. Ask their husband and their wife. Consider your spouse right now. Some of us may have fought the entire ride over to church. We have come to grips that we are not married to the person that completes us, but the person that irks us the most. Some of us, go so far as to believe we are married to the closest thing to the devil. <laughs> Don't look at me like that y'all done called each other worse now. Nah. That's cute. That's actually nice compared to some of the stuff y'all say to each other. Here's my point. Stay married long enough and Romans 3:10 will stand to be true. What does Romans 3:10 say? I'm glad you asked. None is righteous, no not one. Not even the one you got. And I don't care what pet names you give each other. We are all gargoyles down in the inside. This is why you can't cover someone else's man or someone else's woman. Child, if I had him or her, I, but they'd be a lot happier. Be quiet. You don't know nobody until you live with them at least a year. You want to know why? Because in a year, they forget you there, and the real them come out. You can only fake for so long in the real, you just are slipping out. You're like, ooh. My bad. I ain't tell you about that before we got married. My bad. My bad. I got more to come. That's just a preview. (laughs) Give it at least a year. Nothing reveals a human like marriage. Justification means I am married to a sinner. We are all sinners, no exceptions. If you don't understand this basic reality, you're done. This is the issue with most engaged couples. They still got them bird box blindfolds on. (laughs) Y'all remember bird box, don't y'all? And you know what happened when you take them blindfolds off. I'm going to leave it at that. Then they take them blindfolds off, and all hell breaks loose. If you're engaged, you're still enjoying the filters. They still got you believing that people don't age in 10 years. Still, he's still, still in trickery. <laughs> well, no matter who you marry, they are unrighteous, selfish, prideful, and a whole lot more. And this is clear in the gospel. The gospel is not that God sent Jesus for basically good people, who sometimes make sinful decisions, but he sent Jesus for utterly wicked people. And what is sin? It means to miss the mark. What mark? The Ten Commandments. The law is summed up in one word, love. Friend, your spouse is going to miss the mark in loving you. And yet, we get the gospel truth in the church, but when we get home, we forget all about it. We do not bridge our marriage and the gospel. Why? Often, we don't see the connection between the gospel and marriage. We we, we we sometimes separate them. Somehow, we forget the gospel by the time we get to the parking lot. Come on, you gonna start already? We just got out of church. That was in there. We just got a church. We gonna start, alright. That was in there. This is here. I ain't trying to hear that gospel stuff right now. You know what you did to me. Y'all know how we be, right? Ain't trying to hear that. You get that parking like You ain't trying to hear about no cross, no nail, no nothing. What you, you just said that the gospel in there. I ain't trying to hear that. God know my heart. I will get it right tomorrow. But in here, we be amen in it. Praise God, he died for sinners. Not for you, though. We take our gospel glasses off when we get home. We sit them on the kitchen table. But how helpful would it be for us to see our spouse through the gospel of Jesus Christ? And sometimes you got to talk gospel to yourself. I found it helpful to talk to myself in gospel terms when my marriage is hard. Yes, pastors have hard days, too. Paige is just as messed up as I am, and I'm just as messed up as she is, prone to run from God. After all, I tell myself, God did have to die for her, Hmm. and he had to die for you. I'm a sinner married to a sinner. It's hard for me to live with me, and I love me with no encouragement from anybody. I love me and fail me many times, but I don't hold the law up, but I look at God's grace. Maybe my wife needs Mr. Grace and not Mr. Law. After all, she's a sinner too. This would explain her failures as well as mine in our biblical worlds towards each other. Two sinners trying to die to themselves and live life. This is not easy. Justification in marriage means we both live in A.D. Well, if you're going to have a lasting, healthy marriage between two sinners, better have one key ingredient, forgiveness. I found the best marriages are the ones who have learned the art of forgiveness. Not romance, not going out, and all those things are good. But the best marriages are those who have learned the art of forgiveness. Why? Because sinners are in continual need of forgiveness. We have already established that we are all married to sinners, but forgiveness is so hard. How do we find the power to forgive? We must remind ourselves that God has forgiven all the horrendous things that I have done. Not only did he forgive me, but he sent his most prized possession to free me, the Lord of glory. When you get the weight of that in your soul, hear me on this. Lean in and listen, married people. When you get the weight of it, when it's no longer a cliche, when it's no longer something you're just rumbling off, when it's not just facts in your head, but when the cross is your very oxygen, when you realize the magnitude of it, you will find the power to forgive your spouse. And without it, you're done. Because forgiveness is hard. It's a beautiful word until you got to forgive something. Sometimes people can cut you so deep, you don't know if you can ever forgive them. You ever been in a place where you want to forgive, but you can't seem to get over the pain and the destruction and the hurt? You need power, not just convincing. You need power, not just facts, and that power is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. It'll keep you. It opens you up and gives you the power to forgive. In fact, the Bible wants us to forgive from the flow of being forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 puts it this way. Watch the indicative and then the imperative. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, why? What's the power? Watch it as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, that didn't help. Romans 15:7. Accept one another. Then G- accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You see, we live individually in AD. What's AD? That's after our deliverance. That's after we were saved. We live individually in A.D., and we leave our marriages in B.C. We leave our marriages before Christ. Remember, in our before Christ days, we live under the law. But in our after deliverance days, we live under grace. We leave our marriages under the law, and we leave ourselves under grace. But God wants the marriage to live under grace. He wants it to live under the power of grace. Why? What we've been learning is that when we live under the law, sin has power over us. It goes as well for our marriage. When we leave our marriage under the law, sin has power over our marriage. But when we live in A.D. under Christ, Christ now reigns in our home and in our marriage, and we can begin to experience the fruit of the gospel. But oftentimes we say, girl, Christ ain't forgave you, you stay over there, and you got to get to where I am, forgetting that the only reason why you're on the other side is because of Christ, not because of you. Our marriages need to be in A.D. Remember, Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 18. Nobody tells this story like Ken Berry. Super funny. Matthew 18, a guy goes up to the king because he owes the king some debt. He owes him millions of dollars. It's almost incalculable what he owes the king. He pleads with the king, king, please have mercy on me. You know what the king does? The king turns around and he wipes away all of the man's debt. The man goes away celebrating, yes, free from all my debt. How many people like their debt to be paid off? Amen. Glory be to God. Come on. Whoo, my debt was paid off, boy. Ooh, I feel real good right now. But anyways. <laughs> and so he goes out into the village. He finds a servant that owes him $2. And the servant says, Hey, be patient with me. I promise I'll pay you back. And the guy said, uh-uh, cuz where my money at? Where my money at? I told you i would be here at 10, 10 o'clock, not 1001, not 1002. I told you I was gonna be here. Choking him to death. The other servant sees it. They run back to the king. They tell the king what the servant has done, and the king is upset with him. I have mercy on you, and you could have mercy on your servant. And oftentimes in our marriage, we strangle our spouse, forgetting that God has cleared our debt in full. All of it, not anything left. He cleared the entire slate. No sin. And our spouse sins against us one time. And they sleeping on the couch, out in the cold. I ain't talking to you. I would say some other stuff, but I'm up here. (laughs) But talk to me later. I'll tell you the other stuff we tell one another. Withholding, putting each other in debt. You're going to pay for this. I washed the dishes, not enough. You left the skillet with the eggs in it that's been sitting there three days. You're going to pay this debt off. Paige and I are not perfect, but we did have to realize in the middle of one plus one is a cross. One plus one can never equal one if that cross is not in the middle. This This helped us to let the petty stuff go and stop fighting over small stuff. I remember a time in Paige and I marriage, we were arguing all the time, just going back and forth. We couldn't communicate for nothing. You ever been in that place where you just can't communicate? She felt, I felt like she was nagging me instead of supporting me. She felt that I was giving everything else attention and not her. You ever been there? We became more bitter and bitter towards each other. It feels like that it was just snowing in our marriage, and nowhere else. And I bring this up because uh, this past Sunday, if you were in Gary, it was snowing like crazy. But if you left Gary and, li- and went into Hobart, the sun was shining. You ever felt like everybody else had sunshine in their marriage, and, and it felt like snow was just coming down on your marriage? Everybody else looked happy, but sometimes we buy into what we see on social media, and some people are not as happy as they appear to be. We became bitter, but by God's grace, we became more quick to forgive, letting things go. This didn't mean that we couldn't voice our concerns. And I want to be clear. Forgiveness does not mean that you don't deal with the situation. But it does mean that you're ready to forgive so you can move away from the situation. But it also help us to hear each other's concerns and love. Friends, don't quit in the middle of the process because God doesn't quit in the middle of yours. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. It is a process. And what is that process called? A process is called sanctification. How should marriage reflect sanctification? I remember being so discouraged about my marriage. I remember thinking this woman will never change. Of course, she wasn't thinking that about me. I'm just playing. (laughs) She's in the back, so I'm trying to be careful here. I'm sure she was saying the same thing about me. But when we consider the gospel, we are reminded change is possible. First, there is an empty tomb. And if there's an empty tomb, then there's always hope. And if God can raise dead mar- a dead man, he can raise dead marriages. Secondly, do you know it is a miracle you are saved today? Y'all didn't, oh, Y'all didn't shout. I said, it's a miracle that you saved today. Uh, Yeah, there we go. I know you thought you woke up one day and decided to follow Jesus, but that's not how it happened. More of that in Romans 9. You are spiritually dead, and God gave you spiritual life. Tell me what's impossible for him. God can turn anything around. Anything around. Anything around. There are many times in my 12 years of marriage, we wanted to throw in the towel. I'm so glad we didn't, because over time, we both became better Christians. What is a better Christian? Well, simply put, when our lives look more like Jesus. This is God's will for all of his children to look more like Jesus. So if you're married to a believer, it's not a matter of, will my marriage change? It should change. Now I know what you're thinking. Pastor, Hold up. I hear you. I really do. But living this state, you don't know who I live with. You ain't seen them at nighttime. You don't know the hell I'm enduring. I want to empower you right now that God is able. And I don't say that in a cliché-ish way. I say that in such a way that, that he is your only hope, but he's the best hope. I in no way want to take marriage and simplify it by slapping the gospel on it. That's not what I'm doing. I believe the gospel is the answer, but to but 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 in some situations we may need special attention. But at the end of the day, the gospel is the answer. So listen, maybe your marriage looks a little bit like this right now. Put that picture up for me. That thing ugly, ain't it? That is a caterpillar in the middle of a metamorphosis and right now it looks ugly and it looks deformed and some of our marriages they look ugly and they look deformed right now it doesn't look like there's any hope for us but listen what is happening with the caterpillar when you actually do research the caterpillar actually swallows itself it's a, it's a hard process, and it turns into a bowl of goop. But inside of all of that mess are these sales, and these sales are the building sales for the next stage of life. Sometimes in your marriage, it is as if you swallow one another. It looks like a mess, but inside of that mess, God is putting things in there to build you for the next stage in your marriage. Inside of that goop, in that, in, inside of that cocoon is the wings for the butterfly, the legs for the butterfly. It's for the next stage. And some of us, we want a beautiful marriage. We want love. But sometimes love and, and beauty doesn't come unless you got refined by the fire. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Let me go to Joe. Once he's tried me, I shall come out as pure gold. God has to send us through trials so that we die to ourselves. And the more we die to ourselves, the more we love one another. You no, know, your marriage is getting healthy. When you start putting the other person's preference before yourself, friends, that don't come overnight. When you begin to sacrifice sleep for your spouse. Friends, that don't come overnight. God has to do some bending and breaking and tearing and ripping in order to build you up. Maybe your marriage looks like that right now. But you stick in there and one day wings are going to begin to appear. One day legs are going to begin to appear. But they'll never come if you pull out of the process. Kim Barry posted something on his Facebook page. I'm so glad that he did. I said, that'll help me preach. He posted this video of Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was talking about how he goes back and watched the tapes of the game before, especially the tapes that hurt the most, the losses that he could barely stomach. And he was giving advice to this young lady, and he told her, you got to go back. And watch the tape. You got to go back and look at the tape because in that tape, you can begin to see the mistakes that you made. You begin to say, see the ways that you tripped up and the ways you can do things better. Marry people. You got to look at the tape. I know the argument was ugly the night before, but you got to go look at the tape. You got to find out what's going on because sometimes in arguments, you find the problem. It is sometimes in our anger that the truth comes out about how we feel. It is sometimes in the nagging that you hear what's really going on. And part of the issue, the reason why our marriages are not moving on, because we're not being real with one another, because we're closed up from communicating. And sometimes you gotta watch the tape. You gotta watch it when it hurts. You gotta go and say, okay, what did I say wrong? What did I do? What can I do better? But not only go watch the tape by yourself, come together and watch the tape together. I'm telling you, it'll work a world of miracles if we create an environment in our marriage where communication is safe. And you know how you get there? Both of you have got to be standing on the gospel. We got to be able to say, okay, we're both sinners here. Nobody's perfect. All of us are ugly. God came and died for us. Ain't no point of fronting. If God has to die for you, you are not a pretty person. But not only did he die for me, he also justified us both. So let's watch the tape and let's see what God can do different. And, friends, when you set pride aside, I'm telling you that your marriage can grow in ways you never thought it would grow. Watch the tape. And if that's too hard to watch, don't forget to watch the other tape. The other tape is the tape of the Savior. And sometimes we got to play back what he did and not what we done. We got to go back to Calvary. Y'all remember his tape? If not, let me remind you of his tape. Jesus reminded us that marriage is about suffering because for his bride, he stepped out of eternity down into time. He stepped out of royalty down into poverty for her. He stepped out of the shining courts of glory into the wombs of a woman. Then he stepped into Bethany. Then he stepped into Nazareth. He stepped into this temple and started teaching scholars. He stepped into Cana and turned a barrel of Vos into a barrel of wine. He stepped on top of the water and kept Peter from drowning. He stepped into Bethany and got Lazarus out of the tomb. He stepped into another city, took a lunchable and fed 5,000. And one Friday, he stepped up a hill called Calvary. They hung him high, and they stretched him wide. And for me and you, he hung his head, and he died. Well, hell got happy, but the earth started shaking and rocking. The sun got shy and hid behind the midday sky. The centurion soldier said, surely we made a mistake. This is the son of God. God. And then he took, he then they took him off of the cross. They put him into a new tomb. They took him off the cross and put him into a borrowed tomb. Let me say that again. They took him off of the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb because he wasn't gonna be there long, but they put him in a borrowed tomb tomb. He stayed there all day Friday. He stayed there all day Saturday. But if you know the story, he didn't stay there all day Sunday. On the third day, he stepped out of the tomb. And not only that, but that's not how the story ends. Not only did he step out of the tomb, he stepped into my life and he turned it around. But not only did he step into my life, he stepped into my marriage and he turned it around. But that's not how the story ends. Because not only did he step into my marriage, he stepped into the lives of my children, and he's been turning them around. But that's not how the story ends. Because not only did he step into my life, step into my marriage, step into my children's life, but he stepped into the church, and he turned that thing around. Friends, when you look at his tape, you're reminded that there's hope for you. Oh, I wish I had some people in the room that believe. That he got up, and because he got up, my marriage can get up. He stepped out of the tomb. He's been fixing marriages ever since. Friends, I've heard of some ugly situations, I've heard some impossible situations, but I'm so thankful that what's impossible for me is possible for God. I'm so thankful that Jesus is sitting on his throne. I'm so thankful that he visited a woman who was by the well stuck in relationship issues and Delivered her. I'm so thankful that he came knocking on the door of an adulterous woman and they were getting ready to stone her and he liberated her. I'm so thankful that he came to a rich cricket dude named Zacchaeus who was up in a tree and he invited him over and God changed his life. He is a person that can change lives. Ah. Friends, the gospel. In marriage, go together like a horse in carriage. Far be it from the church to say that we love God, to say that we believe that he rose from the dead, and then act like atheists in our own marriage. Far be it from us to be lofty in theology and to be void of sociology. For be it from us to have great orthodoxy and void of orthopraxy. For be it from us that our marriages bring shame on the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the same God who raised the dead. Now, I don't know who you are in this room and what you're going through. But the same God who raised the dead can raise your marriage. Not only that, he also gave you a family, and it's called the church. We want to be here for you. We are a church that is clear. We are not perfect. There's a lot of struggling saints in this room, but you know what? We decide to do life with one another because we need one another. There's times when we're crying on each other's shoulder. There's times when we're saying, man, I don't know if we're going to make it. And we come alongside one another and we love one another through it. You ain't got to be tough, man. You ain't got to be Superman and Superwoman. We are all weak. But it's when we open up that the devil flees. Get the help that you need. God wants to heal you. Hopefully you find this is a place to be real and be open and be honest.